I welcome you today to the seventh church in the book of Revelation. Long ago, we started a series on prophetic parts of the Bible and looked for a while in the Old Testament and just a few of the great selections of stories and God speaking over time through the prophets, Jeremiah and Daniel and the minor prophets. And then we spent some time in the New Testament. What did Jesus say about prophecy? What did he say about the end times? And we're headed toward the book of Revelation. And we've been in the book of Revelation now for a couple of months looking at the seven churches, primarily in the Revelation. And we have come to this last church that Jesus is speaking to directly in the New Testament. These churches, about the second half of the first century, by the time John recorded these messages to the churches, Jesus had been gone probably about 60 years or so, and uh, they were entering into the second and maybe third generation of the churches. Uh, If you look at it that way, each one of these churches gives us a picture of what Jesus saw in them. Uh, In chapter 1, we read the description that Jesus is walking among the churches here in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. He's walking among the churches. He's stepping around and in and out and watching and listening and speaking and giving to John this beautiful picture of the churches. I've always thought that in these seven messages to the churches, uh, they're designed to speak to the church today. And in these seven churches is the church at Mifflinburg. In parts and places, at times parts of each of the stories may seem appropriate as you read it and it speaks to your heart. And God has a way to take that Holy Spirit and speak individually to people about what Jesus said to the churches. This morning, Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, I want to invite you to read along with Jesus' words to this seventh church, the church at Laodicea. To the angel of the church at Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens a door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
These words this morning come from the one that's described in this verse as the ruler of God's creation. We know that Jesus spoke, or God spoke, the Father spoke, and Jesus created the world. Somehow between God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, there was the creation of the universe. There was the creation of the earth. And through the creative processes and power of God, there's an amazing way that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit was a part of creation. It's all the way back to the voice of creation that writes to the church today. He begins with that familiar yet so important truth that we have mentioned and we have said before. He begins with these words, I know your deeds. Jesus says to the church at Laodicea, I know you. Just as he said to the church prior at Sardis and Philadelphia and Ephesus, I know you. I know your deeds. I know all about who you are and where you've been. Would you go on to that next slide, please? I know all the things about you and where you've been. Jesus, again, we say it again, Jesus knows each one of us deep down. He knows how we tick spiritually. He knows how we tick emotionally. He knows the nuances of our individual individuality, I want to say. And each one of you, Jesus would say directly to you and to me, I know your deeds. I know your life. I know your actions. I know where you are. And so he says it over and over again to these churches. For the church at Laodicea, it was a painful place. When Jesus said he knew the church at Laodicea, he saw pain. He saw spiritual poverty. And the thing that was most scary, I believe, as I try to understand what Jesus is saying to this church at Laodicea, the thing that is the most scary is they did not realize how close they were to losing God completely. The scary thing about Laodicea is they thought they were okay. They were living in this false world where they thought because they had material possessions, they had life by the throat. Uh, They had a hold on the things around them. And they didn't realize how vulnerable they were spiritually. They didn't realize how close they were to the lamp at Laodicea going out. And so they thought they had what they wanted. And Jesus speaks these words to them out of love. The thing that I hold on to in Laodicea is their knowledge. They thought they were okay. They're like the frog 
in the pot. It doesn't realize that the water is getting warmer and warmer. And he's taking a bath and he's enjoying it and the temperature's rising and rising and rising. And he says something like, this is the good life. I love a good soak. And eventually the water gets hot enough and life ebbs out. The church at Laodicea was somewhat like that. The temperature was rising and they were unaware of how dangerous it was, how they were living. We can live that way spiritually. Obviously, that's what Jesus is saying to us. We can live a certain way spiritually that doesn't pay attention to the temperature of the water. Doesn't pay attention to the things that are important to God. We're so busy and involved in other things. And life has become about other things. And so that God and knowing Him and honoring Him and worshiping Him and having Him in that high place where He deserves to be is lost. And the temperature continues to rise. So is the church if it does not pay attention to its own spiritual temperature. And so this morning as we come to this time of communion, I want to ask you simply in a few minutes to quiet yourself before God and say, God, what is my spiritual temperature? Where am I? You see, the hot and the cold, a lot of people thought, well, why did Jesus say, because you're lukewarm, I would spit you out of my mouth? I mean, obviously, most people like their hot drinks hot and their cold drinks cold. I mean, that's on the surface. I do not care for cool soup, personally. Some people, coffee, if it's not piping hot, you know, so we understand that a little bit. But why? Why is lukewarm spirituality so offensive to Jesus that he would spit you out? Remember, this is Jesus' words. See, when you're lukewarm, you don't realize what you've lost. When you're lukewarm, you're not paying attention at all. Sometimes when you're cold, you know where you're at. And you know what you need to do. And it's a matter of making the priority to respond to Him. But when you're lukewarm, you're spiritually dying and you don't realize it. The church at Laodicea, I believe, was trying to walk some kind of a line where they thought they were doing okay. They were walking along this line, but they were walking along away from God. They thought they were living in a way that was okay with God, but really not connected to God. I don't know the details of Laodicea. In fact, we don't have a lot of details of these churches. And so when I tell you what I think was going on with Laodicea, maybe when you read this, God speaks to you and says something else about you and your life and your heart. It would have been better for the church at Laodicea, Jesus said, 
was saying that you never knew me. That you haven't known me yet than to be lukewarm. Lukewarm. Laodicea, what is lukewarm? The first thing I see in this text specifically describe it is at Laodicea there was an attitude, a spirit of self-sufficiency. They thought they had what they needed. They really didn't need God. It was okay to be formally polite and respectful and say that you belong to God. But they really didn't deep down believe that they needed God, I think. He does speak here of the self-sufficiency. He says it like this. I have, you say I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize. Somehow they had a handle on the possessions of life, maybe the toys of life, maybe the conveniences of life, but they didn't realize that in those things they had left behind the dependency on God. If you don't need God, you're lukewarm or dead. They thought they were rich. They had this arrogance about them, this pride about they had what they needed. They no longer, at one point they did because they had been hot, but they were no longer anymore. They had been relying on their own treasures. As Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 5 and 6 about Storing up treasures on earth. That we're to store up treasures in heaven. They thought they were sufficient. They thought they had everything they wanted. But Jesus uses these words to describe them. Wretched. Pitiful. Now remember... You might look, and I might look at the church at Laodicea, and these aren't the words we'd come up with probably based on what we saw. We might say, well, they got it together. You know, they, they've done pretty well for themselves. That's not the words Jesus uses. Whoever they were, pitiful, wretched, poor, blind, Naked. They were spiritually bankrupt. They once had it. But they had allowed the things of the world to become more important than the Spirit of God. The fourth thing I want to say about this passage and about Laodicea, and it, we turn to the good news. And that is, Jesus understood their needs. He loved this church. Jesus loves lost people. Jesus loves people that love Him and are living according to Him. And Jesus loves every person in between. 
If you find yourself somewhere in between those two ends, the hot and the cold, I want you to know today that Jesus hasn't quit on you. He hasn't kicked you to the curb. Everything He said so far is true about being lukewarm. And everything else that's in this story is true about how much He loves you. And He's reaching out to you today. Jesus knew their needs. Jesus always knows what we need. But we have to be willing to do what He has said to every one of the seven churches in one way or other. To every one of these seven churches. To every person in Ephesus, Sardis, and Philadelphia, and Thyatira, and Pearl, in every one of the churches, they have to be willing to do what he says right here in verse 22. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Whoever has an ear today to hear what the Spirit says to the church at Laodicea, let them hear. There's a lot of things that can rob us of being hot spiritually for God. Whatever it is, God knows what it is. Here are a few, and there's many. It may be that you can identify with one or two of these, and maybe it's something completely different that's not on this list and on this next slide. There are ones that come come to my mind. One of them is I'm too busy. Too busy. Busyness can rob us of spiritual vitality. Another attitude we can have, it's all about me. Me and my things and my life and my security and my toys and my family and my friends and my agenda. And I'm afraid that that one can sometimes seem evident in Mifflinburg. We love our toys. We have, many of us, have a good life. I do. Completely. I know this one is real for me. I enjoy so much. I have so much fun. And I love it. And it's good. But it can show up in lukewarmness. Where things that used to be important aren't as important anymore. Promises that we may have made at one point in our life, all of a sudden, man, I can't even remember that anymore. Passion has given way to other things. There's a lot of things that can rob us of spiritual life. The in-between is dangerous. Jesus warns us here. The in-between is, is dangerous. Because you are 
lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I am about to spit you out of my mind. Why is it, why is it so dangerous? Jesus says, I wish. The in-between stage is dangerous and very offensive to God. You think, well, why? He'd rather me be cold than lukewarm? I, I don't know. Have you ever had a half-hearted girlfriend, guys? You know? A girl that says she likes you, but she's always flirting with somebody else? Ladies, would you like a husband that's faithful four-fifths of the time? How do you think a holy God feels when He knows He doesn't have us in our hearts? He has some of us. I can't hear what he said when he said, I would spit you out of my mouth. You imagine how an awesome holy God who sent his only son to die for our sins and suffered on the cross and took every sin upon him, how he must feel when he looks into the church and he sees the people that he loves so much who... Not sure whether they really want him or not. Oh, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. I I am about to spit you out of my mouth. I thought too about that. I am about to. I don't know. Sometimes I have said things, you know, in frustration. Well, I'm just about there. Well, I'm so thankful that God's more patient than I am. But that's how he feels when we are half-hearted about him. Inconsistent. So, what does Jesus do? He lovingly rebukes the church here at Laodicea. You may have heard this phrase before. The church is only one generation away from extinction. That's been said by people for a long time. I don't even know who said it first. The church is only one generation away from extinction. Here's another way to say it. Spiritual death happens one compromise at a time. And so again, I'll use the word again, Jesus lovingly calls to the church. And He offers hope and forgiveness. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent, Jesus says. Do you hear in that fire from Jesus, or do you hear in that Jesus saying, if you just knew how much I loved you, Maybe these words would even be deeper for you. Oh, I love you. That's why I rebuke you. That's why I discipline you. Sometimes things are hard to hear that aren't coming from a heart that hates you. or It may well come from a heart who cares deeply about you. And knowing that Jesus is full of truth and He speaks the truth today makes the story of Laodicea so attractive to me. 
Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So, be earnest and repent. Turn back. As he said to one of the prior churches, remember back to what you used to do. Give thought to it. Think about it. Pray about it. I say to the church at Mifflinburg, pray about these things. Don't dismiss any of the churches of the seven. But each one of them, God, what do you say to the church? And then at the end of this passage is one of the most beautiful scriptures in all the Bible. I've quoted this scripture hundreds of times. I've used this scripture just about most times I've ever talked to someone about turning to Jesus in faith. This scripture. And it's awesome. And it's beautiful. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Do you know today that as Jesus talks to the churches, He gives us this picture that's on this beautiful window over here. I've often said my two favorite windows in this church are this one and the one that's in the next room. You can't see. That one's good too. (laughs) They're all good. Jesus knocking on the door to your heart. The other scripture that I I refer to is Jesus saying, Come unto me, all you who are weary and labor, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am lowly and humble of heart. Jesus wants to be close to you. He wants you to feel the the heat of the the fire of, of true love with God. So that you feel a passion inside. And it burns within you. But he said, I'd rather you be cold than lukewarm. So today I invite you to hear Jesus knocking. I believe he's knocking on everybody's heart door. Mine and yours today. That's what his spirit does and he's knocking. If anybody hears and opens the door, I will come in. Today as we take communion, I just want to invite every single one of us as we're holding the cup. If you're at home and you're holding a piece of bread or a cracker or whatever it is today, to take that communion and just think about Jesus knocking on the door to your heart. I just want to invite you to do what he says, open the door. Spiritually say, Jesus, yes, I want to reconnect with you. I want my relationship to be strong. I want it to be hot. I want it to be real. I don't want to just go through the motion spiritually. And sometimes life throws stuff at us and we get into that pattern. All of us do. But today, let's take a few minutes and receive communion and say, Jesus, oh, would you just... Come in again. Come in and make yourself home. And we'll seek your spirit together. I want to invite you to take that communion. If you didn't get a cup, there's some up here, some in the back. Anybody want me to bring you one quick or need one and be helpful? Did you get one, Shauna?
invite you to take off that first, uh, that first little piece of plastic and take the piece of bread out. Dear Jesus, thank you for your bread, your body that was broken for my sins. I thank you that you paid it all. You offered relationship with you. Thank you for all you've done. And the night Jesus died, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat for this is my body which is broken for you. just take a moment of silent prayer just think Jesus knocking today what does he want to say to us today as he's knocking on the door to our hearts Jesus, I thank you today for the words of the church at Laodicea. Thank you that you speak truth out of love and discipline out of a deep sense of desire for relationship with you. Lord God, help us to know that. Help us to accept the discipline of a loving Heavenly Father, I pray. Thank you that you paid the price. You died on the cross for our sins. We receive communion today, believing and receiving your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Take the juice now and drink it. Would you stand, please? Who would give a 15-second testimony of God's grace in your life? Who can do that right now? All right. Thank you, Lord, that you have been spared from that oxygen so far. And thank you that God's with you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, Barb. One other person who would just want to say thanks to God today. All right. I can't tell. I hear somebody. Nancy. Yes. Amen. All right. I better get a microphone. I know if you're, I, I hope you can hear me if I'm talking like this. Uh, Online, I know they can't hear if you don't come through the microphone, but Pat just said she's thankful and every day she realizes how much she needs God. And that's close to her. Nancy shared just a moment ago in the last few weeks, she's been very close. God's been very close to Nancy. We're thankful for that. And Crystal, I'd love to hear you share. Guys up in the sound room, are, are they connecting through that? If she's holding it like that. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, you can oh, definitely hear me. 
Thank you. I want the people online to be able to hear if possible. I just wanted to share. I, I know some of you know that there's several of us who have taken a stand against uh, getting the vaccine through threat of losing our work. And God has seen fit to spare us and let us get a religious exemption. But I'm not here to talk about the vaccine in particular. What I wanted to share was what happened to the church in Laodicea, I think has happened to me. It's easy to go through life and get lackadaisical about our personal relationship with God. And one of the things that this has caused me to do is to draw closer to God, not just, um, you know, on a every couple day basis, not even on a daily basis, but an hourly basis. And I just want to thank the Lord that he uses things in our lives to draw us closer to God. And I want to thank him for being a personal God, a faithful God. And I hope that I don't lose that. I've been praying about that. I want to continue my three times a day praying to the Lord like Daniel did. I want to continue to reach out to others and share the gospel with them in ways maybe that I haven't lately. So I just thank the Lord for sometimes hard lessons of life that helps to draw us closer to God. So, thank you. Thank you, Kristen. I said too, but I sure don't want to cut anybody off. If God has said to you, you know, I should say something, I want you to do it. Please do that. Okay, Lou Ann. I just want to thank the Lord because we moved this week. Uh, we moved in with Helen, and um, it was a, a rush to get everything done, but we did, and God was very near and helped us to get moved. And even in spite of my broken foot, uh, the Lord sent so many people from our church family to help us this week, and we wouldn't have made it otherwise. So thank you all for your help. We really appreciate it. Anybody else? Testimony, confession, what God has said to you. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens a door, I will come in. Thank God for that today. Thank God that he's speaking to the church at Laodicea and he's speaking to the church at Mifflinburg. God bless. Have a great day. If you can join us tonight. Five o'clock, I really do think it'll be two hours well worth your time if you're able to. Please, if you have an offering, some of you have already mailed it in. A few of you dropped it off this week. But if you have an offering for motorbikes in India, if you just drop it in one of those two plates when you go out, we'll be sure that that gets there uh, as we support this project in India and around the world. Thanks for being here today. God bless. Bye-bye.